We just have begun a study in the book of Romans, and as we're looking at this, we're, we're thinking about the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome, right? A, a church that he's never been to uh, and is fairly new, as in fact, uh, the good news about Jesus is fairly new in most parts of the world. And so as that message is going out, uh, Paul hears about this church in Rome, uh, the the Uh, center of the Roman Empire, and he's excited about that church. And so he's writing to them to to encourage them and to clarify some things for them. And he he writes to them, and as he does, he he says this. At the beginning of, of Romans, it says, I'm a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. And he writes that and then that's how he introduces the letter, that it is based on the gospel of who Jesus is, and he is writing to them because he has been given this commission uh, to speak the gospel to them. So now we are down in verses 14 and 15 this week, where he is, uh, has just told them that he has longed to come to them and speak to them, but has so far not been able to come. And in verse 14 it says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Paul says, I am eager to preach the gospel, to proclaim the gospel, to tell you about the good news of Jesus to you who are in Rome. And as I have been thinking about this text and about Paul's eagerness to talk about the gospel, I think, how often are we not eager to talk about the gospel? Right? That, that, that is that we don't just wake up in the morning going, ooh, I wonder who I get to tell today. Just super fired up. Right? Who could I, who could I talk with about Jesus today? Who can I tell today? I've told you that my grandparents uh, for many, many years have prayed the same prayer when they get up in the morning. Who can I be a blessing to today? And, and it's that same kind of idea. Who can I be a blessing to today? Who might I talk with about Jesus today and encourage them? Right? If you were here last week, you remember Paul telling them that he longed to come to them so that he might encourage them and they might encourage him and they would be mutually encouraging one another about the faith that they have in Jesus. And now he's writing and saying, I am eager, I am so excited to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. He starts though by first saying, I am under obligation I am under obligation to preach it, to proclaim it, to tell people about Jesus. I, I, I have to do it. The word here is the, the same as, um, you know, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are our debtors, those who are indebted to us. That's what the word that Paul is using here. 
I am indebted. I am under obligation. I must do it. Right? So, some of you have obligations, things that you must do. You have a, a car payment or a mortgage payment or a cell phone bill, right? That you are using the, the services or you are, are living in that house or using that car and you have obligated yourself. You have written a contract. You may not have remembered that you, you ha- there was a contract that you signed that said, I am obligated to pay for this service. I am obligated. And what Paul is saying here is, I am obligated to preach. I must proclaim it. I must proclaim it. To whom must he proclaim it? I am under obligation to both Greeks and barbarians, to both the wise and to the foolish. Everybody. Everybody. Those who are Greeks and those who are not Greeks. That's pretty much everybody. Those who are wise and those who are foolish. That's everybody. I must, I must proclaim the good news of Jesus to everyone. And so we look at this, right? And my first thought is, I'm glad I'm not Paul. Because Paul had to preach it. Do you remember the story of Paul? In, in the book of Acts, how Paul was uh, really zealous for the Jewish faith and he hated the Christians. These people who were distracting people from the Jewish faith, the, the, these people who it seemed to him had twisted the message of the Scriptures. And so he's, he's just dogged about uh, putting an end to this church. He's going to do whatever he, it takes to stomp it out. And on his way to do that, he's got in hand a letter saying, I am allowed to persecute all Christians and put an end to this church. He's got this in hand. And he is marching with a purpose to put an end to the church. And there's a flash of light. And he hears a voice from heaven saying, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Who? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus. And you are persecuting me. And from that point, Paul can't see, and he's led into the city, and another wise man, a godly man named Ananias, gets a vision from heaven saying, Go talk to Paul. And tell him, What he must do. Pray for him that he might regain his sight. Ananias is going, no way, God. Uh Uh-uh, uh-uh, no, no, no. I know about Paul. I know about him. There is no way. Yeah. Ananias, you must go. You must pray for him and you must tell him because he is going to be my instrument to proclaim the good news. And I must show him how much he must suffer for my name and for my sake. That's the story of Paul. And you think about that. Yeah, he was obligated. He had to do it. He had been persecuting the church. He had been doing all kinds of things. And God had 
taken him out of that and said, this is your commission. You must proclaim the gospel. Anybody here on the, been on the road to Damascus and had a bright light shine at them and then be told you had to go proclaim the gospel? Yes, we're safe. We don't have to proclaim the gospel. That was a Paul thing. Not for me. Or maybe it's for me. You see, in the book of John, Jesus is talking with his disciples and he says to them in in John 10 verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold and I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. And no one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. And this is the charge I have received from my Father. What is Jesus saying here? In verse 16 he said, I have other sheep who are not of this fold and I must bring them in also. Jesus came with a purpose, right? His, his purpose was there were people who were separated from God whose sins needed to be forgiven and the only way that could happen is if he died and rose again from the dead and he said, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And I will lay down my life and I will take up my life again and I will do it for the sake of my sheep and not just for these sheep. Not just for the Jewish people, not just for the disciples, but others as well. Gentiles as well. (coughs) And so we have here that this is the charge that Jesus has received from His Father and He must do it. (coughs) Then in John 20, Then in John 20, Jesus says to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. 
Jesus has been given this commission from God that He is the Good Shepherd and He must come and He must save His sheep and He must bring them in. And then He comes and He tells the disciples, You also, I am sending you also. Just as God sent me, I am sending you. Just as God sent me, I am also sending you. For this reason, He breathes on them and gives them the Holy Spirit. And He tells them, look, If you forgive the sins of people, they'll be forgiven. But if you withhold it, if you withhold that message, how will they be forgiven? Again, in Matthew 28, Jesus comes and He says to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you to the end of the age. You see, Jesus has called us to the same commission. He is sending us out. He said, this is the commission that I have received from my Father. This is the commission that I am sending on to you. And you must go. You must tell them. So that later, when Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, he says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So if we go back to Romans. In Romans 1, verse 14, he says, I am obligated. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That's us. That's us. We no longer live for ourselves. We live for him. We are obligated to live for Him. We are indebted and must live for Him. 
There's, there's no alternative to that. There's no halfway. Right? We don't sort of live for Jesus. We, we are. That, that's what our lives are now for. They are for Him. For He died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. That's the reason for which He died for us. Was that we might no longer live for ourselves doing our own thing, but now might live for Him. And here's what that means. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God, who, through Christ, reconciled to us, him, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting their trespasses against them. And he's entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. We have been given this message of reconciliation so that we no longer regard anyone according to the flesh anymore. Right? We don't look at them and measure them in the same way that we used to measure them. We used to look at them and go, are they like me or not like me? Do they dress like me, talk like me, think like me? Do they have the same values as me? live in the same kind of home as me, have the same kinds of things that I have, drive this, a similar kind of car to me, they have the same kind of job as me, same motivations as me, same goals as me. How else do you measure people, right? You look at them and you go, yeah, that like me or not like me. And the more somebody is like me, the more I like them. Especially if they have a sense of humor like me, we're going to get along real well. I can overlook some other stuff if you have the same kind of sense of humor as me. But the more you're like me, the better we get along. Because I regard you in the flesh. But Paul says, no, we don't regard anybody according to the flesh anymore. Not anymore. Because God has saved us. We now live for Him. So we're living a completely different life in a different way. We're living for Jesus now. And so we're looking forward and going, okay, do you believe in Jesus? Do you know my Savior? Do you have the same hope that I have? Because we're all broken and need that hope. That's how we look at people. So that Paul in Romans 1 says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians. Those who are culturally like me and those who are culturally unlike me. Everybody. That's a big deal. If you're a Greek or you're not a Greek, that's a big deal in the Roman Empire. Paul says, no, I'm under obligation to both. I'm indebted to both. Those who are culturally like me and those who are culturally unlike me. 
I am under obligation to both. I am under obligation to the wise and to the foolish. It doesn't matter. Are you really smart or are you really dumb? That doesn't matter. I'm under obligation to both of you. I'm under obligation to everybody. And so the, the very things that we size people up and go, eh. Right? Do I, do I want to talk with them about Jesus? I don't think they're going to be very receptive. I think they're too smart for Jesus. They, they seem a little too smart for Jesus. I, I, don't think I'm, I don't think I'm going to talk with them about Jesus. And, and that, they're, well, they're just a little too dumb for Jesus, frankly. I'm, I'm not going to talk with them about Jesus either. You know, they're not quite like that. Culturally, we're not the same. And there's some, Jesus just isn't probably for them. I don't think they're going to be that into Jesus. We write off a lot of people that way. And say, you know, I'm, not, I'm just not going to talk with them about Jesus because I just don't think Jesus is going to be that important to them. And what Paul is saying is, no, I'm under obligation to everybody. I must proclaim it to everybody. I must proclaim it to everybody. And what I'm trying to tell you is that because Paul was obligated to everybody and Jesus was obligated to everybody and Jesus gives us the commission that he had received from his father, we also are obligated to everybody. And that's a little overwhelming. Because there are a lot of people. But Paul says, but I am eager Right? Verse 15, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. He says, I'm obligated to absolutely everybody, and because you're part of everybody, I'm obligated to you. But you know what? I am eager to preach it to you. I'm so excited to preach it to you. So if you're obligated to everybody, who are you at least eager about? Who are the people that you're excited about that you get to talk with them about Jesus? You can take a minute. Think about that. Who are the people that you're most excited to talk with about Jesus? Okay, your life group, I get that. That's, that's cool. <laughs> the people in the church, you're most excited to talk with them about Jesus. That's great. What about others? Who are you most excited about, most eager about, that you get to talk with them about Jesus? Paul says, oh, I'm so excited. I feel like I have some connection with you guys at Rome. I, I've never been there. I don't know most of you. But I'm just really excited to come and talk with you. Here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that we don't have anybody that we're excited to talk with you, to talk with about Jesus. And I'm afraid that we're not excited about it either because we don't really care about the gospel or because we really don't care about people. Those are the only two options that I see. If we don't wake up in the morning excited to talk with somebody about Jesus, it's because either we don't really know and understand and care about the gospel, the good news that Jesus has come to die for our sins and reconcile us with God, 
I mean, this is the kind of message that gets people excited. It changes you so you're no longer living for yourself. You're no longer stuck in those same ruts. You're now living for Jesus. That's the kind of thing that transforms you. And so either we don't get that, or we just don't like people. Because otherwise, there's somebody that we're eager to talk with them about. There's somebody, or a group of somebodies, your neighbor, or your neighborhood, or a club that you're a part of, the people at your kid's school, the people at work, somebody. And if you're sitting there going, man, I can't, I can't think of anybody. Then we gotta work on that. We, we gotta love people. We, we are obligated. We have to do it. There has to be somebody. Right? You say, well, I'm embarrassed. Yeah, okay. It, it's hard. Preacher, you, you don't understand. It's hard to talk with people about Jesus. I don't just have people coming up to me going, oh, are you a preacher? Can you tell me about Jesus? You know what? That doesn't happen to me that often either. I don't typically lead with, I'm a preacher. I take that back. At basketball, when I go play at the gym, I lead with, I'm a preacher. But that's only because I've been playing with those guys for a long time and they call me preacher. But other than that, I don't usually walk up to people and go, I'm a preacher, would you like to know about Jesus? I just walk up to people and say, hey, I'm Travis. And we talk. And it takes time. You, you don't typically get from zero to Jesus in three seconds. You can. You can come right out of the gate with it. But I find it most effective if I just lead with, Hi, I'm Travis. And then listen. And ask questions. And actually care. Do you know how many people don't have a real friend? Somebody who they can talk to and listens and actually cares? There are a lot of people without a friend like that. And so if we care about the gospel and we're eager to proclaim it, then all we have to do is go out and make friends and care. Just listen. Ask questions. Be supportive. Love on them. And it will come up. Opportunities to talk about Jesus will come up. Pray for them. Ask for them. You're not going to be able to do it all by yourself. You're, not, you're probably not going to get it right on the first try. But if you care about the person that you're talking to, 
and you're listening and you're loving them, then it's fine. It takes all the pressure off. You don't have to get it right. If they know you love them, you don't have to say the right words. You can even be offensive. And if they know that, they, that you love them, they will give you grace in that. It's no pressure. But my biggest fear for our church is that we just don't care. That when we read a passage like this, where Paul says, I'm obligated, I must proclaim the gospel, and I am eager, therefore, to preach the gospel to you who also are in Rome, that we just don't even go there. We go, oh yeah, that's fine for you, Paul. That's great. That's great for missionaries and pastors. People with the gift of evangelism. But that's not me. I'm not really that kind of a person. I'm afraid there are way too many people who just go, I'm not that kind of a person. And I'm afraid of that because I see it in me. I see my own tendencies to, to shy away and go, you know, I'll just, just avoid. I won't actually get to know you that well. I won't actually care. We won't actually talk. And if something comes up, I go, oh man, if it, if it were me, I would be praying about that. And then what I say? I have a great book that you should read. I got it from the self-help section in the library. Tell you about it. There's always a book. There's always a resource. There's always a person. There's always a program. There's always something that we can direct people to that isn't Jesus. But when we're fired up about the gospel... And when we love people, there are lots of opportunities to say, you know what? Let's pray about that. Can I pray with you about that? Can I share what Jesus has done in me in a similar situation? Can I tell you what my hope is when I run into problems like that? Eager to share the gospel. Compelled to share the gospel. Watching for every opportunity to share the gospel. So who's your Rome? Paul was eager and excited to share the gospel with those who, are, who were at Rome. Who is your Rome? Is it a club? Is it a neighborhood? A family member? Who are the people you're most excited about? Here's what I'd love for you to do. I would love for you to make a note 
on who that person is that you can pray for them. And what I would love for you to do is for you to share that with me. Okay? You can write it on a connection card. You can write it on a a piece of paper and hand it to me after the service. You can email me. You can text me. And say, this is the person that I'm praying for. Or this is the group of people that I'm praying for. And I'll pray with you. That there would be opportunities to share the gospel with the people that you're most eager to share the gospel with. Next week, we'll talk a little bit more about this. Because in the very next verse, in Romans chapter one sixteen. He says, for I am not ashamed, right? And, and I think that for, for us, we better spend some time on that one. Because we might not say ashamed, but embarrassed. It's hard to talk about the gospel. What if they don't like it? What if they reject it? What if they're mean? What if it burns a bridge? And so we'll talk about that next week. But for this week, I just want us thinking about who are are the people we're most excited to share the gospel with. That we can be praying for them, that we would have opportunities to do that. Okay? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, it's hard to feel like there is something we must do. something that's difficult, like sharing the gospel. So Lord, we pray that you would equip us for it. That you would strengthen us. That you would show us your glory. That we would be so excited about who you are. That we would be eager to share it. Father, there are many people here who are caught up in the pressure, in the busyness, in the tiredness of life. And the daily grind is really hard. And so, Father, I pray for them that you would give them a fresh uh, sense of your presence with them, that you would strengthen them, And Lord, I pray that you would be big enough. Big enough to handle our problems. Big enough to handle our worries. Big enough to overcome our fears. Gracious enough to bear with us in our failures. That we might so love you. That that love would overflow to those around us. Father, would you make us great lovers of you and great lovers of the people around us that they might know how much we care for them because you have cared for us and care for them. And Lord, I pray this week and next week and the week after that you would give us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to talk with people about the hope that we have in Jesus. 
And we ask for this in your name. Amen.